Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from For the Region about the future of South West Wales. Hello and welcome to Build Back Better, a series of online conversations from us here at For the Region. Today I'm delighted to be talking to Rian Thomas, who is Senior Sustainability and Transport Manager at the DVLA. We're delighted at For the Region that the DVLA has come on board as a partner of our alliance and looking to do a lot more work with the DVLA over the coming months and years. Rian, welcome. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Dawn. It's a pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Let's just start by hearing a little bit about you. When did you join the DVLA and what's your career development been so far? So I joined about 10 years ago. I started actually quite operationally in the contact centre. So I learned a lot about the core business there, which has been really useful. And then I went back to university and did a master's degree in environmental management. And from there, DVLA is, is a massive organisation. It's, it's got every job you can possibly imagine there. So there was an environmental team. So I went up and did some work with them and and I've just worked my way through the team so most of my experience is in public sector and central government and it was only in February of this year that I took on this new role in leading the team and bringing transport into that as well. So what made you decide to take your career path down the kind of environmental management path? Like a lot of people, I did a bit of travelling after I did my undergraduate degree. I did it in Lawrence Swans University. South America was one of the places we went to and we did a, a conservation project for a month in the Amazon rainforest. And we saw just how simple the lives of the people there are. And it was really, really enlightening. And we came home and realised just how different we live our lives here. And, and it's just stayed with me. It's it's funny because that that trip, we had lots of different experiences and that, that month, which was not my favourite month of the trip, I will admit, it was very, very challenging, definitely stayed with me and decided that I think that was, I think that's what, what I wanted to, to do with my life. The purpose was just to sort of educate people here that we can live simpler lives without so many things, without consuming things, without having an impact on the environment in the way that we're used to. Um, so I went back and, and decided to study in that um, and got an opportunity in, in DVLA in this great place of work and, and it snowballed from there. So that's amazing, isn't it? And then to have the opportunity to make those changes in such a large and influential organisation and to play a role in that, that must be quite rewarding. And have you found in taking on that role within the DVLA that the organisation itself has those same values about minimising its impact and looking at ways to operate more sustainably? Oh, certainly. And I, I think that's a must for me to, to be with an organisation that shares my values, especially within the last eight years I've been on the team. Things have just, uh, well, uh, as you know, in, uh, the media has helped as well. There's, there's much more of a sense of urgency now. But back even when I started with the team, we were starting our digitalisation journey. There was a, a big change in, in gaining efficiency within the organisation, which, of course, translates a lot of the time into being more sustainable, you know, being less wasteful. There was so much opportunity. It was a really exciting time to join the team to see uh, and what we've achieved as well in the last 10 years is detailed in our sustainability report that's just been published on gov.uk. There's some real headlines in there, some real highlights about what we've managed to sort of coordinate as a team and help the organisation deliver. So it's really exciting. What are some of the real sort of 
proud moments and the proud achievements then for the DVLA on this journey towards sustainable business? Well, at the end of April in 2020 was the end of this tranche of greening government commitments, which is a set of targets that all UK government agencies and arms led bodies and central departments have to achieve. So we had quantitative targets against the traditional environmental impacts that you can think of. So it's carbon and waste and water and travel and paper and things like that. And we did really well against those targets. So those are some of the headlines. For instance, we had a a target to reduce our emissions. We surpassed that 56% reduction we achieved within the last 10 years. We're really, really proud of that. We reduced our waste by almost half in that time as well. We recycle nearly 95 five percent of our waste now which is a big change to where we started and particularly because I look after transport now as well is that within our fleet of vehicles that we have the cars are 81 percent ultra low emissions which is something we're really proud of and that was a journey that we started a long time ago looking at what our pool cars for instance people use for business purposes how we can shift them over and implementing that behavioral change that was needed so we're continuing on that journey we've got targets to reach 100% ultra low emissions within the next few years as well but we're really proud that we're performing really well in that area at the moment. And has that brought staff with you on the journey so presumably huge involvement from staff across the organisation in that whole effort of reducing waste and energy use you know do you feel like staff are really on board with it and do you think it influences their behaviour outside work as well? Yeah, certainly. I think it has to. We've got 6,000 employees at EPLA. So we're such a large organisation that everything they do affects how sustainable we are. Right at the beginning of the journey, we you know there's a lot of low hanging fruit energy wise that, that, that we could deliver that didn't have so much of a staff involvement. So we installed different types of lighting quite early on and, you know, water saving measures in toilets and things like that. But there was a big move quite some time ago about consolidating our operations to Swansea because we had over 40 local offices throughout the country and with the digitalization of our services we decided to move all of those back into Swansea and that and that delivered quite a bit of savings in in all of the impact areas that we were looking at but increasingly our targets becoming much more challenging there, there's some that staff definitely have a huge impact on and, and some that are a little bit less but we have a great communications team in the agency as well we have strategic themes that we have strategic communications managers look after so I work closely with ours and really proactive messages out but we also have a look at any opportunities with any other communication needs throughout the business to to slide in those messages to make sure that we're drip feeding sustainability into people's lives and that's really working we're having a lot of engagement in October we did something quite interesting where there was a first virtual away day held which was coordinated by our procurement department so there's about 150 people there they really engaged senior management in that department anyway but they decided to do it on sustainability and the idea was is it was half a day not concentrating on on work but just getting everybody together and learning about something something really interesting really interactive and that was a hugely successful day I think there was about five groups that took on a topic of sustainability so one of them was global sustainability one of them was personal one of them was looking at COVID recovery and and they went away and did lots of research I helped them by fact checking and making 
making sure that things up to date and they delivered a piece on the day that had the best feedback of, a, of any away day that they've ever done which is fantastic and that kind of idea is crucial because these people are 150 commercial advisors to you know to collectively they advise on everything that we purchase as an agency and, and our supply chain is vast so the impact of that of that day could last for months years with those decisions that they're helping the business make so communication is so important and staff engagement is really important across, across everything that we do but particularly in this area yeah and that's a great example isn't it of how every aspect of the business needs to be thinking about the sustainability agenda and particularly when you talk about local supply chains and, and what you're buying and your procurement processes it's a key theme that keeps coming up it's when organizations start demanding different things from their supply chain and putting higher value on environmental benefit that it empowers all businesses then in, in that local economy and in the supply chain to transform their businesses as well. Definitely. And something really interesting is happening in a couple of weeks time. So there is a, um, well, there's the Social Value Act has been around for quite some time, but that has been strengthened in the public sector now from the 1st of January. So there was a vice note that came out a couple of months ago that's basically mandating us to include 10% of the criteria that we set for evaluating these companies to be social value. So there's a number of areas. Environmental sustainability is one, but of course, it's a lot of social responsibility in there. COVID recovery is another. So what, what it really does is transform our decision making to look at those areas. And I envisage our team helping, you know, there's a lot of contract managers within the business. We have about 250 direct contracts. So it's a huge amount of scope. And every single one of those over the next few years will be renewed and, and we will have to consider this criteria. So the key is to make it meaningful, make it, make it relevant to, to what we're asking the businesses to do, because we, what we don't want to do as well is to, is to make it unachievable one of the objectives is to make sure that we uh, we give our business to small to medium enterprises as well so we need to work with them and make sure that if it's a niche market that we're, we're going to that we're asking them to provide that social value in an area that they can do that and will provide us with benefits and make our supply chain more sustainable so that's going to be a really exciting change that's coming in the next month or so thanks Rian. yeah great to hear about all of that so you've just released various reports and I suppose you're looking ahead now to 2021 and what's the focus of your agenda for the next year. What are your kind of key priorities and areas of work in your department now? So we're currently awaiting the next Green and Government commitments. They were on hold this year because they were being reviewed, obviously, within the new situation we find ourselves in with COVID recovery. So those should be released in January or February and they will come into force in April. So we're expecting them to be around the same impact areas that we're used to. So carbon and, and, and water and travel and waste. Those will be our focus. We're already planning to deliver even more challenging objectives in those areas. So we will be reflecting that in the strategic plan that EVLA will be publishing for next year as well. The focus for us has to be decarbonisation in line with Department for Transport. They've been consulting this year on the decarbonisation plan, which should be released quite soon. And the sense of urgency within our department is real. We're, we're the highest UK sector for emissions. We haven't improved that vastly in the last 30 years. So Department for Transport have, you know, have shared that objective with us and we're excited about being able to deliver on 
on, on some of those areas within the Green and Government commitments. But we are also looking at our business as well. Green and Government commitments covers a lot of the areas you would expect, but you know there are limitations in there to what we do within our buildings and what we do for business travel. But the journey that DBLA is going on without digitalization, I know you've spoken to, to a colleague of mine about digital skills and about how we're transforming our business, really. We're excited to share what we're actually delivering in terms of savings, in terms of sustainability savings as well. It was about a year ago we started measuring our services in terms of carbon impact. And it's really useful to have that metric because it covers covers nearly everything. It covers paper, it covers waste, it covers energy, human resources, procurement. Um, you can convert anything into carbon. So we started that exercise looking at business change. We have a big transformational business change program and we started there and really just drill down into what changes we wanted to make, what savings they would bring against what is the process that we're doing now. So the huge savings that we demonstrated with that are really interesting because they're not within what we would normally publish, not what we're required to publish. I'll give you an example where we talk about we've delivered some projects this year, get it, being able to order a duplicate logbook, for instance, online, which you haven't been able to before. So think about what customers won't have to do there. They won't have to perhaps print off a, a form if they've if they've lost theirs or post theirs in. We wouldn't have to receive it and process it. We're, we're looking at those types of savings. If it's being posted within Swansea, it's slightly different, but it could be posted from Aberdeen. So that, that you know that's quite a lot of transport that's being saved, and we're we're measuring that in a, and including that in a formal way within business change, business cases, creating benefits profiles. And it's really, really raised awareness within the organisation, made it much more high profile. We've had a rubber stamp from our you know, financial and assurance services as well on it, which really helps with engagement among senior leadership. And that's becoming business as usual. There's a huge demand on the team to do that at the moment. And projects are, are getting to, to claim those savings within their benefits profile, which is really, really interesting change that we've never done before. And so is that because you've created this calculator, this tool that makes it all really visible and measurable? Was that a big investment in sort of software development to figure out the the carbon in everything, everything that happens? We've actually done it all internally. It's still based on Excel, but we are having some apprentices trying to build a little bit more of a, a user-friendly version of it. But it, it just started off with an idea, came straight from the top from our CEO and said, we'd, we'd like we'd like to start doing this. We'd like to start measuring the carbon of our business changes. So we took the knowledge within the team, got a fantastic team of environmental professionals that were able to go out into the business. These are formal business change programs so they should have already and they did set out quite clearly what they wanted to achieve against what was there now and it's just about looking up at those processes slightly differently so real life cycle perspective what resources go into them including time and materials and capturing those step by step and then using a carbon conversion factor so we use the library on gov.uk the department for business and energy and industrial strategy publish them every year and it was very detailed it's quite a complex piece of work and we just measured all of that out and we capture it on, as I said, on an Excel spreadsheet, which is our calculator at the moment. And the more and more you do it, the easier that it gets. You know, you learn lessons. And we, 
we've measured projects from ranging from you know a whole change to a service that customers would benefit from um, to a, to a quite a small change in how we interact, for instance, with a with one fleet operator. So it just goes to show how diverse projects that we can look at, but still have the the same principles, and to ensure then that we we do get those carbon savings captured, so they they can use that as a a way to inform people making those decisions about whether it's the right thing to do or not. Yeah, brilliant, and to be able to measure the impact of different scenarios or different decisions just makes it all so much more immediate. So reducing carbon is a key priority. What about biodiversity? I know you were talking about a biodiversity action plan. Yes, so we have published our third biodiversity action plan in the last couple of weeks, which is really exciting. And what I've been really interested in seeing in in the last couple of months in government publications is that decarbonisation and biodiversity really comes hand in hand. There's a lot of technology about carbon capture, but we've got to remember is that making sure that our environment is, is diverse as possible does that for us. Trees capture carbon for us and we recognise that. So we're very lucky to have an ecologist on our team who was able to put together a really detailed plan for us. So that's available on gov.uk and it's it's for the next five years. There's three key areas that we want to that we want to focus on and that's to, to protect the priority species that are, that are under the Environment Wales Act. And then to look at all of the species on our site, so that's flora and fauna, and, and make sure that they are, are flourishing and, and thriving as they should. And then the next one is about engaging our staff and community in what we're doing. This year, we did have plans to bring a local school in to do some engagement activities with us, which was unfortunately cancelled like a lot of things were this year. But that was really important to us to show that, you know, we are an organisation that deliver the, these core services to our customers. But we also recognise that we have quite a large estate with quite a large floor area but we have got green spaces there and we have got these opportunities to increase biodiversity within our own estate and hopefully inspire young people as well and inspire our staff to go home and look at look at their own spaces and look to see how how they can enhance them really is key to I think to delivering all of our objectives including net zero is to you know rewild the world as uh, as Sir David Attenborough rightly put um, in its latest documentary it's a it's probably the most important thing and we're, we're really proud of this plan. We know that we were going to have to deliver something similar in line with the new Green and Government commitment. So we're ahead of the game there slightly. It's thanks to Andrew Lees, our, our ecologist, for, for guiding us through that. And we've got a steering group being um, established as part of it as well. So they met for the first time in October. And it's really working with the priorities in other areas of the business. It tends to be quite a reactive function. So we, we, we need to sort of provide the space that people need to work, come into those decisions where we are um, considering the biodiversity of our estate, considering the species that we have and protecting those accordingly. And is that sort of connected up then? So will you be able to measure the carbon benefits of the investments you make in biodiversity across your estate? Um, I hope to. Um, I'm not sure it's quite as, uh, as easy as that. We, we're certainly good planning on producing progress reports every year so that we're accountable for those objectives that, we, that we've put in. And where we can, we will be planting as much as we can to capture that carbon. We'll see what our green government commitments ask us to do as well. On a wider note, uh, we're part of Department for Transport, so we do feed into their performance. Whilst we may not have the most opportunity within our estate in Swansea, 
there are other areas of Department of Transport that are, you know, have really large land holdings. So I'm I'm hoping that we can help them develop similar plans, uh, similar objectives, where that where there may be far more opportunity to really really gain a lot more biodiversity within the land that they have. Yeah, and it would be great, wouldn't it, to be able to put a value in terms of carbon and and savings on investments in biodiversity make that as measurable as everything else because it sort of incentivizes the right behavior and I loved what you said about the importance of involving the local community I think it's really low-hanging fruit isn't it in a way all this underused publicly owned or business owned land that is not going to any beneficial use at the moment and the thought that it could increase local biodiversity it could give the community access to more green spaces and share that knowledge and enthusiasm for yeah, growing stuff and the natural world. It's such an important role that, that large employers like the DVLA can play and turning that land into lovely places to be. Yes, it is a key focus for ours. One of the things that that is quite interesting objective for this year is to guide a staff walk around our estate, is to, to show them exactly what's there. There's some interesting environments within the estate because it was it was built on historic land, historic woodland, and we've got some evidence of, of species um, there that, that reflect that. So we're going to put some signage up to make sure that you know people people understand what's there. And whenever we put any communications out on biodiversity, we have such a um, such an enthusiastic response to it so one of the objectives of the plan is not only to have the steering group which will include sort of decision makers and leaders but to inform those with uh, with a separate group of staff networking group although we won't be able to do as many volunteering experiences as we used to within the biodiversity staff group we can still get their ideas and feed those and to make sure that people are engaged in delivering the plan. Yeah, maybe there's parts of the estate that could be devoted to food growing. Have you thought about growing food on the site or is it more about the wildlife? Uh, we haven't thought about growing food, actually. We've talked about disposing of waste. So maybe looking at our own sort of composting area there. And as we move towards getting rid of single use plastics as well, there's a lot of sort of compostable alternatives out there on how we can close the loops that's been looked into. Our estate, unfortunately, isn't as big as, as people people might imagine we've got you know you know our big tower block so we pile a lot of people in into there but we've planted wildflower gardens on the estate before and there's lots of different ideas and we're looking forward to the staff really engaging with that and seeing exactly what what they want to do and and taking those ideas away and then building on those where we can Brilliant. No, that sounds like great work. And we'll look forward to catching up as that as that moves forward. We've been talking a lot about community growing on this podcast over the last few months because people have got so interested in trying to grow a few vegetables in their garden or whatever it is, or turn community spaces into growing space. Yeah, we'll be interested to hear about the journey of the biodiversity on the site over the next few years. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to come and have site visits again. <laughs> So what about plastic? You've mentioned waste quite a lot. I imagine DVLA has done a lot of work to reduce single-use plastic. Yeah, so we had a central government target to remove what we call consumer single-use plastics by the beginning of 2020. And we were given scope to decide as a business what we consider to be the best areas to focus on, which and the areas that we did choose, uh, we managed to eliminate those for 
January 2020, which we're, which we're really proud of. And I think COVID has um, has had an effect on that. I mean, as you, I'm sure a lot of people have seen, you know, discarded plastic masks around the place. And, you know, it's quite heartbreaking. PPE, which is protective personal equipment, was always out of scope of, of this target anyway. But what we're making sure we're doing is, you know, any communications around COVID protection measures, we're, we're drip feeding, you know, to wear reusable masks and how to look after those properly as well and and of course at the beginning of the year when we'd managed to stop buying any disposable plastic cleaning wipes for instance a sort of a shift was taken back wasn't it where you didn't want to use sort of cloths that have been used by other people a lot and you know that that was really challenging but uh, we've got some really engaged people within our procurement function that were able to find a solution that 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 met those requirements so uh, so now we, we we still have disposable wipes but they're plastic free which I think was a really good compromise for the situation we're in this year and we continue to just look at all options we're very strict with our policies in procurement where we have a number of teams throughout the agency that have to approve all of the all of the requirements to purchase and our team is one of them and um, so when we do have a, a request to, to, to buy something that's plastic especially disposable plastic you know we work with them to make sure that their requirement is being met but also achieving the objective that we have as a government agency and we um, very often have positive outcomes of that and sometimes it's just advising people to really think about whether they need something or not or whether we can go about using you know a reuse option instead so we have those interesting conversations daily we have a lot of those requests coming through and areas that we're still working on for instance packaging packaging is really interesting because I mentioned earlier we have you know quite a lot of contracts about 250 contracts a lot of those are for goods so we have a lot of deliveries and a lot of those deliveries come wrapped in plastic even in inside boxes you'd be surprised so we do, did a piece of work last year where we looked at all of those targeted where most of those deliveries were coming from and did some really good work with one of our strategic suppliers where we were trialing using m- many more reusable crates jackets to wrap boxes because a lot of goods for instance are, are packaged not only for their protection but to keep things together as well like shrink shrink wrap uh, to you know to make sure that they're palletized and, and can go on transport so our suppliers worked really well with us on that and we, we've come up with some really good solutions that are surprisingly low investment so we're continuing to work with them to, to reduce that and of course our catering and facilities contracts as well have their own targets we stock things like coca-cola and and pepsi and you know they're very very big companies so we will find that when they achieve their objectives on recyclability and and not using pl- single-use plastics as well. That will filter down to us, but we do recognise that we're government, so and we're we're a very big buying power. So that's why the, these targets come down on us to achieve, and we have those conversations and try and push suppliers and guide them uh, into what we want as a business and what our staff want. So our communication campaign on that was really successful last year. We did a lot of swaps down to things like, you know, our tea bags, our sauce sachets, you know, lots of little things that staff would see every day. We have quite a takeaway culture in, in DBLA as well. So we had to look at that and, and what kind of materials we were letting staff use, for instance. So we did a 
quite a big switch to reusable containers, for instance, and there was no single-use coffee cups in January in DVLA, which was which was a big change. And staff really got on board with that, and we used some incentive schemes to help us there, and and we were really proud of that. So it's a it's a different environment, everybody being home, and we're looking forward to seeing what you know what the future holds regarding plastics on our estate. It's a very different year now, so we're having to we're having to rethink a lot of our policies and our approaches to that now. Yeah, fascinating journey and so great to have such a dedicated team looking at all aspects of the business and finding all the ways in which impacts can be minimised. Finally, talk to us about the transport side. DVLA has a big fleet. Where do electric vehicles come into that? Tell us about the work you're doing on that side of things, Rian. Coincidentally, whether it's a coincidence or not, actually, where I look after transport services as well. So that means I have a lot more influence in, in delivery against uh, objectives to decarbonise our transport. Sitting within Department for Transport, you know, we have much more scrutiny, I suppose, on our business travel than maybe other organisations would. Um, and, and we have, you know, challenging targets to deliver as well. So business travel has, has been within our carbon target for quite some time. So we've seen some re- really good successes. I mean, in the last 10 years, business travel emissions have dropped by 90%. Business travel flights, for instance, have dropped by a similar amount. But our fleet of vehicles, so we have around the 30 mark at the moment, we've got a specific target on on turning those into ultra low emission vehicles. So 25% is the target by 2022 and 100% by 2030. Now, it might seem quite far away, but, you know, our procurement cycles can be as long as five years long. So we're talking about, you know, only a couple of procurement cycles until we get to that point. And so when we're going out and leasing these vehicles, you know, we, we need to start trialling them now. We need to put put those the behavioural changes in now and guide in the people that drive those vehicles um, that, you know, this is, this is the right way to go uh, to meet our objectives. The idea is that government lead on adopting ultra low emission vehicles because we know it's all coming our way it's a it's no secret that we won't be able to buy a new petrol or diesel car in the next 15 years and I've got no doubt that that will be brought forward so you know we are we're leading the way in that by making sure that any requirement to use a business vehicle is assessed really well so we use a hierarchy you know do we need to travel at all what travel mode is most appropriate if that is a car how we can travel by ultra low emission vehicle this year has been really interesting because we have quite a few separate fleets within the organisation. So we have pool cars that, you know, any member of staff can use to travel for a business requirement. We have a fleet of vehicles we use for enforcement purposes as well. And then we transport staff throughout Swansea as well. So we've got sort of shuttles and vans and quite a range of vehicles within our fleet. The transport team as well is very, very engaged in hitting these these targets as well. Talking to those requirement holders, sharing our knowledge and and, and what we don't have, getting that information from elsewhere. So we've, we've done some projects with Energy Saving Trust this year where we're going with to them with some quite complex business requirements about how we can maintain this level of service but how can we do it with an ultra low emission vehicle and they produce some really good work for us which is really informative and and we're hoping to to incorporate at least trial ultra low emission vehicles in these separate fleets next year our pool cars um, are already we've already got um, nine of them within the fleet already but different business requirements will have very different considerations and we're we're really excited about that. 
that. And it, it's a real focus for DFT, as I said, and, and it's a focus for us where we can deliver um, ultra low emission vehicles uh, to the staff as well. I mean, can you imagine if they got inspired to go and, and purchase their own because they've been used to driving them around in work as well? That's uh, That would be a great thing to see. Yeah, absolutely. Affecting the staff, the behaviour of, of all the people that work in the organisation and, and showing new technologies in use is such a big influence that you can have as such a major employer. Do you have electric vehicle charging points on site at DVLA? Yeah, we have quite a few and and we are installing more as well by the end of this financial year. And for the first time, we're putting them in our visitors car park as well. Um, so we can st- we have quite a few visitors, as you can imagine. So we can start advertising those to our visitors. And that should be a, you know, a nice demonstration of our commitment. We have got them available for staff already and we're putting more, more of those in. And it's a bit of chicken and egg sometimes, isn't it? We want to make sure that we've got the infrastructure there to support adoption of these vehicles so we're making sure we're coming at it from all angles and and that will be you know a deliverable for us for quite a few years I think is to is to 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 move about how we can support that objective. So you've got such a busy job Rian working on all these different things but I can tell that you love it don't you you uh, you really get a lot of satisfaction from all the progress that's being made. Oh, definitely. And, uh, the, you know, the great thing about this job is that it is so diverse. A lot of my time is 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 talking to people within the organisation and 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 just, you know, hammering home what our objectives are and influencing them. And I, I love the positive outcomes that come out of it. There's a lot of compromise as well. That's quite natural. But yeah, I, I can't imagine doing anything different. And the leaps and bounds that we're making within the organisation at the moment is, is really encouraging. And, and we've got a lot more opportunities as well so I'm excited about exploring those over the next few years um, as we're all on our journey to um, to net zero by 2050. Yeah lovely well it's been so inspiring to talk to you and hear about uh, what's happening on the ground within such a large regional organisation so thanks so much for talking us through all that and sharing your passion for making the DVLA a more sustainable business and I'm sure there's loads in what you've said that uh, gives us all pause for thought about what more we could do in our businesses and organisations to make a difference so thanks so much for coming on to our podcast and talking to us Rian it's been lovely to meet you and um, yeah I'm really grateful for you taking the time. You're welcome thanks for having me. Great. Thanks to all of you for listening today. Fascinating to hear the journey of what's going on at DVLA. Do share examples with us if you know of other organisations making great headway on some of this. And tune in again next week for another conversation from Build Back Better.